KVBL Radio is back. What? Didn't really have time to uh, to get with Ricky preseason. Mace Carter. Mace Carter's joining me for today's podcast. Mace Carter, in his retirement, has decided he's going to become he's going to become a cleaning man. So he's actually been going around the house with a spray bottle and cleaning all the floors and windows which is pretty exciting. So congratulations to Mace Carter on a wonderful career. Wonderful career. That's my sidekick. This is my sidekick. So anyways, today I decided let's, let's take a quick, let's take a little bit of time and try to just talk about maybe the changes teams have made. I know Ricky probably wants to do some sort of a win-loss predictions podcast. Which we can get to. That's not a problem. I just kind of want to look at maybe what what teams did, what teams didn't do, how they're looking compared to last year, and what we might see moving forward without really diving into too much about what we might think the record is. Kind of like again, what the transitions were, what we're the, what we're going to look at. Again, I apologize in advance for the craziness that is Mace Carter in the background, but he's busy cleaning, so um, I can't really complain too much. What did I just step in? Seriously? Mace Carter, what's over here? Is this is this water or, or, yeah, or dog pee? Spray. Is that water or dog pee, Mace Carter? It's water for spray, are you kidding me, dog? Ah, uh, better be. <laughs> this is two minutes in, it's likely the worst podcast we've ever done, but But I wanted to get you guys something real quick. So, anyways, we'll dive right in. See if we can keep this somehow under under two hours, an hour. I mean I don't know. To talk about every team, give every team two or three minutes, maybe we could do it. So if we're going to go in the order of the Landros, I guess I would start with, I would guess I'm projecting who I think would probably be the best. So for starting with the Landros, look at the Hornets. What did the Hornets do? Now the Hornets have talked about potentially trying to trade Chow. I don't believe it has happened yet. Let me look. We haven't seen anything yet. I feel like I'm out of the loop. Went to bed super early last night, and I feel like I missed stuff, but maybe I didn't. So anyways, the Hornets are potentially shopping Chow, but in either case right now, we look at Chow. It took him a little bit of hits in the offseason, but he runs back the same team that won him the title. Um, Not too many. I don't even know if he signed anybody. I don't really think so. So it looks to be the same team. So you got to think that the Hornets are most likely the favorites in the Landros now since the Lions are in a full rebuild mode. And it'll be interesting to see if they do decide they want to trade Chow for something. Um, what would that potentially be? But in, in either case right now, if they kind of just stay put, you know, they have a good chance of making a deep run. I like the balance overall of the way that the squad looks. So the Hornets are solid. Number two in the Landros could potentially be, we'll just take a stab and we're going to give it to the Pacers for the moment. What do you think about the Pacers this season, Mace? <laughs> Be honest. What do you think about what do you think about Tyson Cole? Tyson Cole, Boogabot. Tyson Cole's a Boogabot. I would have not surprised by that by that feedback. Solid analysis by Mace Carter. So, anyways, we look at a weird Pacers team in this season. Okay. Coming into the season, they don't have a point guard. They added Trev Young. Uh, they lost Yencho. Somehow I was able to sign Yencho for $2 million. The Thunder were, I want to say the Pacers offered like $10 million times three seas, times three. But something I think happened where he signed someone using the MLE first, and that took away his cap. So he ends up without a point guard at the moment. We know that you know he's going to fix that. But 
Um, it's going to be an interesting squad nonetheless until then. Now, he's looking like right off the bat, he's going to start Cole at power forward, Cromwell at center, and bring Bingham off the bench. And the funny thing is, He's been trying to sell me on how Bing is a wonderful fit for my team because of how he's a prototypical big. Yet he's not even bringing that. He's not even starting him on his team. He wants Bo, for example, or he wants Pang, or he wants other stuff. But you know what? If you think that Bingham's that good and that great, well, then you start him, and you're not even doing that. Like you, you're choosing to start Cole over Bingham. That says a lot about what you think about the guy. And if you think he's such a great fit, you would put you'd you'd run back with a similar team you have last year, and Cole would be your super sub. But I'm assuming this guy thinks he still needs a little bit more scoring. Now, one of the uh, little sneaky signings we had, we didn't get to on the signing podcast is that he had taught he had signed Brad Towery. I like Towery a lot. In all honesty, like Towery is very close to to Bannerman. Actually, if you look at it, they're very, very similar. But I think the reason I don't like, I didn't like Bannerman as much was because he was inefficient from three. But you know what? I guess I can't hate on Bannerman as much as I do considering he's very close to Towery. But overall, I like Towery, just still a teeny bit better. I know he doesn't shoot the three, but I think you know, he draws a little bit more fouls. He seems like he's a little bit more consistent overall. What did he shoot last year? He shot 47%. Bannerman shot 45. I think he just shoots a little bit inefficiently from three. But I like the fact that he's got another guy like that. So I kind of prefer Towery. Uh, I know he loves Bannerman. Um, but either, but I like the fact that he's got the balance. He's got Austin Lane. Well, we love Mace Carter. He's a Hall of Famer. He's elite. What do you think about Bannerman, though? Again, that's what he's a boogabut. So Bannerman and Cole are both boogabuts. Um, progression wise, let's see there again, they're a solid team. Again, I like the additions of, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of extra defensive players being that he's got Towery now he's got lane. He's got some depth that he didn't necessarily have last year. And he's just got to figure out the point guard. Now here's a team that again, because he has Bannerman and Towery, it's potential that, you know, Towery might be a guy that he could potentially flip for someone else's point guard, you know, or, or what does he end up wanting to do long-term with Bannerman or even Austin Lane, which is a really nice defensive guy. You know, I think people were trying to argue about, you know, what Callahan could be. And I said, well, okay, aside from the three-point shooting, look at Austin Lane. And that's a guy on, the, on, a, on a cheap contract. So why are we talking about Callahan so much when you can have Austin Lane for a minimum of the price? Still staying in the Landros here, throwing it out for a next team that I think is going to be solid. We're going to go and we're going to call on the Celtics. Because what I liked about the Celtics, so the Celtics lost Rake. Rake went to the Lions. Um, he adds Batu Khan, uh, Boba Fett, and he adds Jason Marsh. Boba Fett? Yeah. <laughs> Mace Carter approves of that signing. So... Jason Marsh, uh, we have obviously panned him, but here's a scenario where Jason Marsh, you know, like he's going to have Sand is Sand and Hugh are the primary scorers to a degree. Obviously, Marsh has some volume, but the fact that he can have Sand and Hugh, Marsh has an extra. He was able to make Eve work to a degree. He adds Khan. I just like the balance he has on the squad. I think he's got, you know, like if he doesn't, if he's not sold on Eve, he could do worse. Looks like Eve might have got some decent progressions. Hugh got more volume, which was nice. And he either got the PO boost or the PD boost, I think, unless that was last year. Um, 
But I feel like the Celtics are better. So when I talked to them, when we talked last year about us being a little bit down on them, I actually like this team. So I think this team could easily be the second seed in, in, the, in the Landros or maybe even the first, depending on how things, how things shake out. But I like the moves that the Celtics have made this season as opposed to last. Spitballing, next team, 76ers. 76ers are largely the same exact squad. The big move they, they, uh, they made in the offseason was adding Teddy Cook. So they had the low usage defensive guards in um, in they had the low usage defensive guards in Bernard and Develis, and then what they decided to do was add Teddy Cook for some added passing. Teddy Cook, as well as the extra steals. You like Teddy Cook? We're a big fan, right? He played alongside you on our Thunder's championship team, Mace. He helped you win a ring, Teddy Cook, Teddy OKC. Okay, yeah, big deal, right? Um. So, da, 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 da. sorry, Mace Carter keep continually losing my train of thought here. Yeah, so the Teddy edition, I think, is going to give them a teeny bit more passing, a little bit more stability. Uh, I think the Sixers are ready to make the next step. I mean, his guys still got better again. You know, uh, Bjornsson, Bjornsson, I, I, I just think we're going to see that Bjornsson is going to be an MVP caliber player again. Beavis, you know, Eunice, and then, of course, McDavid was fine for him last year. And then he's got Cook. He's looking to potentially move Bernard, um, and he's still got you know Joey D, and I, I just like the balance uh, we got. And then the front court depth, he's still got under, and he's still got hammers. So I think that's a team that long term. Well, I mean long term is that uh, I think I think we're going to make see some noise from this squad this year. I really like what they put together um, as far as the balance, the Cook addition. And, of course, they've just kind of lasted on their progressions. And, obviously, they look a lot like the, their Maynard counterparts, the Thunder, as far as four really high-end scorers, a nice little balanced point guard, and then some bench depth. Now, of course, my team probably doesn't have as much defense coming off the bench. Um, but, in, but we are actually very, very similar teams now that I look about it a little bit more. Nuggets. Nuggets are in an odd spot, and I know that Kyle had kind of mentioned that in his GM rankings, and he had noted how Jamie might need to make an all-move, an all-in move at some point. So we look at again the Nuggets are kind of building off the progressions they got. Um, Kittles was a guy I looked at last year I thought could potentially be starting, and now he is. Um, I, I feel like Kittles is he was starting Lozon for most of the year, and Lozon's fine, but I feel like Lozon's a perfect bench guy. You know, Norton looks like he got a teeny bit of regressions to a degree, and he just didn't give him what he wanted last year. I think he wanted a little bit more out of Norton. He still gave him 17 points off the bench. I just thought he was going to give him a little bit more efficiency. So I felt like he probably wanted a little bit more out of him. But, you know, Kittles is a nice sneaky guy here. He, he can score a bit. He can shoot the three. Um, he's, he's, got, he's okay. He's average when it comes to the one through nines. But I feel like he's going to kind of give him a little bit of everything, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of defense, a little bit of rebounding. You know, he might just be kind of like your average type starter, but that might balance the team a little bit more where it might just give his starting unit a little bit more scoring. And then he'll still have the Nor- he'll still have Norton off the bench. And then he has, he has Lozon coming off the bench for some defense. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that works. But also we're talking about, again, he's just got a lot of very good pieces, you know, aside from Barber, you know, we do like Paxton, but it's a got kind of its squad that, 
you know, did Paxton take a 2G hit? Paxton looks like he's a little bit less efficient. But, you know, are they a team that would potentially be looking to, you know, compile some of these pieces into one better player? I'm not sure. That's kind of what Kyle mentioned in his GM rankings is that, you know, the team can still do what they're doing. Uh, we see that, okay, Robodeau's 24, Paxton's 24, Kittles is 23, Barber's still only 22. So it's not like there's a rush. You know, he could play the progression game for a couple more seasons. But at some point, you want to say that the Nuggets are going to probably try to do something to take it to the next level. Um, and as you might have noticed in the Landros, we're talking about who I predict to be the playoff teams. Because I, I, some people were talking about it here in chat, and I think it's pretty clear cut. I think right now you're looking at eight teams, um, and I would look at the, ball, the Bulls on the outside looking in. And this is with the Bucks included. I just don't think that, you know, the Bulls are the – Bulls, the Bulls lineup is horrific. And the the Bucks don't have their pick, and the Bucks are still like Bubbles. Bubbles, if he wants to miss the playoffs, can make it happen. But with Bubbles, you know, wanting to make the playoffs this year, I think he's going to make it happen. He's, he can make it happen as well. That that Bulls team is just terrible. That Bulls starting lineup is just pretty bad for a team that potentially would want to make the playoffs. Like I, I just I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. Um, so continuing in the Landros, wow, where it's getting a little bit thin here because we lost the Lions. And so we talked about the Nuggets. We talked about the Sixers. I guess next up, that would probably be the Lakers. So the Lakers right now still have Connor Air. They went out, they signed Connor Air to that contract. And of course, we, we, you know, we, we question whether or not anybody signing the Connor Air um, contract would end up wanting to flip him for assets. And we saw that, that he actually attempted to do that. Now, I feel like this is probably going to be a situation where he might just make air available. And then if anyone at some point wants to pay for him, it's uh, it's there. But, you know, I think what he what he's looking at doing is he's looking at maybe trading air for someone who's a big. And then he's going to try to come back and do the same thing next season where he could potentially get a small forward or a center um, because he's got Redding. I guess it could be a power forward as well. And if he could get someone as good as air, then he could come back and try to go after divine or sand next season and do exactly what he did now so the point is he's got the asset now what he's going to do with the player i'm not entirely sure so you know like if if he's going to keep him whether he's not but the point is he would most likely get some something similar i don't think he's going to purge for picks so right now i mean just the fact that he has air on his team he traded selby he gave selby away to the to the Cavs, pretty much but he's still got he's still got redding um, he's going to start Whipple. He's going to start Teixeira. And then he's got Hoover at center. So the team is like, they're not good. But you know what? He's got Connor Air. He made the playoffs last year. And in theory, he's going to make playoffs again. So uh, the Lakers are going to be in the playoffs uh, as long as he doesn't completely give up air for just picks. So that leaves us with what? The two more, two more playoff teams, which would be the Raptors and the Bucks. So the Raptors... Mace Carter is uh, currently running around the house with a spray bottle and spraying Shady Dog. <laughs> That's not very nice of you, Mace. Ter- You're terrorizing the dog, sir. <laughs> you can probably hear Mace laughing and Shady's pitter-pat of his feet as he runs across. Oh, did you just wipe out? Did you just wipe out on some of the water that you've been... Yep, you wiped out on some of the water that you've been spraying all over the floor. I'm really not surprised by that. Um, so the Raptors. So the Raptors' interesting move is they traded Tucci for Sullivan. Uh, and I had mentioned about it in chat is that I feel like he probably, uh, he probably could have gotten a pick. Uh, or the Kings could have gotten a pick. Like, he's like, so, like Tucci. Hey, Mace, calm down, bud. 
Don't terrorize the dog. This commercial break brought to you by spray bottles and angry dogs. So the Kings trade Sullivan to the Raptors and they get back Tucci. Tucci's a a much better, like, um, now type player for the Kings, especially since they're going to have the Thunder to deal with who have scoring up up front, is that Tucci's a nice fit on that squad, gets him a little bit more volume as opposed to Baker in the starting lineup. So Tucci's a good fit on the Kings. I think long-term Sullivan's most likely the better player. So it would have been, you know, I feel like the Kings probably could have extracted a little bit more out of the Raptors. But at the end of the day, he wants to just, you know, this might be the last hurrah for the Kings now. Uh, if Divine leaves, and that sends that could potentially send that team in transition a little bit earlier than probably he would have hoped. Uh, there's some rumors around that he would potentially move Divine, depending upon what he could get back. And I'm assuming he would maybe downgrade Divine to a degree if he could get someone back on longer on a longer contract to basically prolong his dynasty a bit. Um, and you know what? Sorry, can't even call it a dynasty. He lost in the first round of the playoffs last year, so can't really call that a dynasty if you're going to lose in the first round. But we would say the the current roster as far as how good it has actually been. So, so the Raptors, <laughs> Mace Carter once again wiped out, running around the corner. Hey, if you're going to keep spraying the floor, the floor is going to be wet, and then when you run across it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to wipe out. So why don't we calm down here? Calm down a little bit, sir. You know, in retirement, Mace, I wouldn't think that what you would choose to do would be reckless. Although, I guess if you weren't going to get hurt during your playing career, if you're going to get hurt now in your retirement, that's probably better off, right? Yeah, probably makes sense. So we look at the Raptors have a nice young core. Um, so they still have Viaba, who got a little bit of boost. Uh, they, of course, they still have Lou. And then now he's got Sullivan. So he's got three little, you know, three decent young pieces here to try to build off of. And we look at the roster from last year. So he traded, traded Marsh. He loses Tucci. You know, what are we going what, to, what's going to happen with this team? I, I honestly think that there's still going to be virtual playoffs just because the Bulls are so bad. But I don't know if the Raptors are going to be as good as last year. They traded Billy Ford away. If a lower usage point guard, I think now. I believe. Or no, they got Billy Ford. Oh, they got Billy Ford from the Celtics in the Marsh deal. Okay, that makes sense. Billy Ford just a, is just a high foul player who just is almost like he opted for Omni and tried it. I don't think Ford is as bad as Omni, of course, that the Bulls are going to try to roll out. But, um, but that could be a volume score for him that he would need to kind of balance out the lineup. But in either case, the Raptors are just kind of going to be bad. The Raptors are going to be a playoff team that's kind of bad, and he, does, he has his pick next season. So if he's going to try to just kind of mail it in this year, do what he can, and try to get young, I can see that. He's kind of made his picks available. But I think similar to Kyle, he's only really going to trade his picks if he can get, like, youthful pieces back, and that makes the most sense. So the Raptors, you know, going to be playoffs, but they're going to be bad. You know, we're, we're going to – it's going to depend on progressions and, you know, long-term what's going to happen with that team, but in the short term it still doesn't look good. So by virtue of, I guess, the Bulls, because we keep harping on them being bad, that's going to leave the Bucks as your most likely eighth seed. So we've seen the Bucks move some stuff around again. Like, we kind of forget. Like, he, he's, he had a lot of these bad contracts, but what he's been slowly doing, I think he's been moving off some of them. He was able to dump Lubega. We can just talk about Lubega right now. Like, Lubega was a guy that, of course, we had discussed that he was offered by the Bucks to the Hawks in the Callahan deal. Callahan's a terrible contract. I don't, like, like Lubega... You want to say he's fine He's a, he, if he's a stashable player? That's okay. But it's like if you look at his ratings, like you want to say, oh, he's got nice defensive one through nines. He's got a decent block rating. He's an okay rebounder. Okay, great. But guess what? He doesn't really score. 
He's highly inefficient for what he does anyways. It's not like he's shooting 50%, even in limited time. Um, he's not really a high-end rebounder. He's okay on blocks. He's still got a low turnover rating. Yes, he's got solid one through nines on defense, but isn't that a guy that could be on a minimum contract? So, like, I don't hate the guy. He's fine. He's 24. We want to talk about stashing him. But it's like, again, it's not like a guy that's making $3 million or $5 million or even the minimum. The guy's making upwards of $12 million in his final year. It's like he, it's, I feel like it's going to take a lot for the guy to be very useful. Now, of course, we haven't talked about who ended up with him. He ended up on the Nets because what happened is Lubega was traded to the Grizzlies. What can I help you with, sir? Okay, look. You're not really bringing any added, any added insight here by just saying, uh, and bugabot. You'd think the kid had a lot of sugar today, but he hasn't. He's just on this rampage with his spray bottle. So Lubega was flipped, I think, for Reed. Lubega was signed by the uh, I'm sorry. Reed was signed by the Grizz. Um, the Grizz then traded the Grizz then traded Reed uh, for Lubega. So Lubega went to the Sonics. How did the Sonics end up with him? I forget. And anyways, the Nets, there's all sorts of Sim 2 deals as far as, I guess, the, the, the Bucks and, and somehow the, now the Grizzlies have an expiring. So they were able to just basically get off the Reed contract and Lubega ends up, Reed ends up on the Sonics and then um, Lubega ends up, Lubega ends up on the Nets. That's what's going to end up happening. So let's see. So the Bucks have gotten rid of the Lubega contract. They traded Myberg and then it, Myberg and they end up with Willis. And then let's see, where they, they traded Hadan, they did, so they end up with kind of these weird guys like Paddock, Ori. Oh, that's right, he drafted Shoko. Shoko's nice. And he still got McCoyle and he liked a little bit of the boost he got to Al Alajiri. Are, are you frustrated? Yeah, I took the water bottle away because you're running around the house terrorizing the dogs nonstop. Mm. Live disciplinary action here on the KVBL podcast. Mm. Oh, Mace Carter just exploded. That's a bad. That's bad. Might have to take a commercial break to clean this up. Mm. <laughs> Worst podcast ever. But those of you guys with kids out there probably know what it's like. And I'm not going to wait. we got to sim at 8 o'clock, and this kid's probably not going to take a nap. So I want to get it in quickly. But, yeah, the water bottle got launched across the room because, as you could tell, the dogs were getting nonstop harassed and terrorized. So the Bucks still have useful pieces. They reside Samson. I like the, again, I like the trade for Willis. He's got Albright. So he's got some pieces that he can play with. And again, like there's this team on paper, there's no way that they're like Shoko. There's no way that this team is worse than, than the Bulls. So you're looking at a playoff team right here. They're the eighth seed. I, I just don't see it any other way. Um, and that would leave the rest. So if we want to talk about the Bulls next, the Bulls like, okay, so the Bulls have Franks, who's fine. They traded for Omni. Uh, Omni, who shot under 40% last year, he shot 36%. He's not even going to start Vincent. He's going to start Fall. He's going to start Ignacio Lasada. Lasada shot under 40% last year. So, like, there's a good chance after the first sim that the Bulls shoot under 40%. Like, that, that could potentially happen. I think you could argue that Vincent probably could be starting for the team. Instead, like, not having Omni on the team at all is probably better. But, like, there's no, there's, there's really no legit case that other than the fact that the Bulls want to try, okay, fine. But the Bulls want to try, and so do the Bucks. And the Bucks have a much better roster than the Bulls. The Bulls are really bad. 
Like they won't like they won't trade these guys like Gargan and and Johns. Like Johns isn't expiring. He could trade Johns with something to get something else. Like looks like he's got the Hornets forty. So the Hornets forty is a pretty terrible pick. But he could trade a pick and an expiring to get somebody back on a contract if he wants to do that. Um, that's a that's like there's there's no way that can't happen. But um, but the Bulls just there's no way. I just don't see them being anywhere near uh, as good as the Bucks to be able to be a playoff team. Then the last couple teams we have, we have with the Rockets. <laughs> you need more water. Mace Carter is really, really interrupting this podcast today. Uh, um, so the Rockets went out and they drafted Rigido. And I really like Rigido, but he's not starting him. He's going to start Stu instead. Stu should not be starting on this team, but you know what? He paid him 13 and a half million times four years. So he paid him starter money. Uh, I don't know if anyone was offering the MLE. I mean, maybe someone was offering the MLE. So he significantly overpaid. He did mention to me that he did offer on air. So he actually made the effort to do that. But similar to what Kyle did and obviously what people want to bash Allrim for fixing is potentially not signing guys is he probably could have just kept the cap space, rolled it over, and not had Stu. Could have been starting Rigido. And there's nothing wrong with the kids. Like, the kids got a little bit better. Like, I still like the squad that he has. You know, I like the core. Like, like uh, do we call it Zag- Zagarakis? Is, is fine. Good. Like, even Stamper is not terrible that he was starting most of last year. Uh, Rigido could start. Lemon. Daniels got his 2G percent back. Uh, like Javi Nelson. So it's like, I like these young kids. So the team should be improved. But again, he didn't really sign anybody significant. Oh, we did sign Cyrus. So Cyrus is a nice piece. And I guess Cyrus could arguably be starting at small forward instead of Stu as well. I forget if Lemon if Lemon's small forward power forward or if he's a shooting guard. But yeah, I mean, I think you wouldn't want to start Stu. You'd probably want to see if you could get winners 30 minutes. But the team should be back. Oh, Mace Carter came in. Oh, man, you're really interrupting the podcast by beating me up here. Oh, I really took a shot to the gut there. Oh, Jedi punch. Oh, sorry, guys. Gotta regroup. Okay, we're back. Take Take a drink of some Monster right here. Okay, so Rockets are going to be better, but they're still not going to be good yet. Stu should help them tank, and they should ultimately end up being in the lotto. Probably, so that leaves us with the Grizzlies, the Lions, and the Cavs. So let's talk about the Cavs. Kyle's Cavs here, right here. So they they, they drafted Mercer, really nice pick, looks like Bailey. Um, Let's see, they were able to trade for Selby, which was nice. So he's got some players that now he could be excited about. He could be, and, he, and he's got all sorts of draft picks. So they got a ton of assets moving forward. Of course, there was a lot of a lot of chitter chatter in the um, in the chat room yesterday about about uh, about Kyle trying to get Pang. And basically, the way it started was is of course I'm devaluing Pang significantly as I have been for a while, even though he's my own guy and he is available. And then of course Ricky hits me up and goes. Uh, he goes, so um, you should really move Pang. He's your worst starter, and, you know, pr- see what you can get. I was like, okay, I get it. I get he's my worst starter, but my worst starter is still better than a lot of other players, uh, a lot of other teams' players in general. And it's like, I understand the weakness, and I was able to sign a free agent who fits my team. So if I don't want to play Pang, I don't have to. But if there's not a deal out there that I like, why do I have to do it just to do it, just to cash in? Um 
And so then, of course, the next step is it's not like, oh, you know, like I've, I've, I've sniffed around. There's some other trades that I could potentially look into making that I just didn't want to pull the trigger yet. After getting both, some of these teams, some of these things don't fit as far as what I might wanting to be offering. But anyways, so it ends up being uh, uh, Ricky says, well, what if Kyle offered this? And first, it started off by saying, well, what if Kyle offered his 42 and one of these lot- potential lottery picks he has? And then it's like, okay, so now we're immediately making offers for Ky- on Kyle's behalf. And then within five minutes, Kyle goes, I want Pang. Come on. I'm not going to deal with the both of you. And I'm not going to deal with the both of you saying that you should do this. You should do this. You know, and then ultimately, the offer ends up being something like the, the Cavs 42 and then two of the three potential lottery picks he has this year, which, of course, were two of the, the, the two that he valued the lowest. And then Ricky chimes in and says, um, you know, but this is what you did last year, trying to bank on someone potentially missing the playoffs. I'm like, I get it, but I didn't have control over that. And I wasn't, wasn't giving up an asset. Like I was, I was just technically loop. I was technically seeing whether or not I could make the playoffs and then it affected my own draft pick, but I wasn't trading a player or an asset that I liked better and rolling the dice on two potential picks. Like the picks that Kyle has, yes, most likely he's going to end up, end up with a lottery pick. So it's better for him to just hold them all and see what happens. But for someone to potentially trade for those picks, unless you're getting them all, um, What's the point? Because you don't want to lose a player that – so you're basically trading a player that you think is better than the, the, the ultimate end result of that – of what the pick could be. Like those picks are in the teens if, if nothing goes if, – if things don't fall right. And even if, and even if those picks if, – if it ends up being a lottery pick, you're looking at the 10th pick. Like whoever doesn't make the playoffs in the Maynard – is still going to be better than the Landros teams, meaning that's the 10th pick and probably the 9th pick, you know, considering how much these teams are trying to, to win the season and be competitive in the Maynard. So those are, going to be the bottom two, those are going to be the bottom two picks. So meaning that they're going to be the worst two lottery picks. So it's like, do you really want to trade a guy like Pang to get the 9th or 10th pick? You want to trade the 9th or 10th pick and, and end up getting, like, you want to trade for the 9th or 10th pick and then also have, like, Kyle's 42? And, like, okay, Pang, Selby, and Mercer, plus whatever else he adds to that roster, let's not, let's not act like every like the 42 has value. And then the argument, the next thing is people want to say, oh, okay, I, I thought every pick has value. Are, are we going to play this game where we're going to talk about extremes in every little quick comeback? Or are we going to actually rationally discuss this? Because if someone who's trying to trade for someone's 42 and you're trading a young player to do that, you're going to want a little bit better up, um of an upside asset. And again, if you're a team like myself that's competing, why would I want to do that? Um, why would I want to make Kyle immediately better and devalue that pick? It's what I've been like literally screaming about in the NBA with the Thunder and these Miami picks. Is it, it, once the Thunder traded Westbrook to, you know, or once, Thun, once Westbrook became available, it seemed like he was going to, like West, Miami was the preferred destination. And two of the picks that the Thunder got, I understand one, I understand one is protected, but it just didn't make sense that he, they would trade him to Miami and hurt the value of their draft picks. So ultimately, like Pang, Selby, and Mercer is a really nice setup moving forward, plus the assets he, moves, he, he has moving forward. Now look, if you're the Lions and you're going into a rebuild, yes, I think any pick matters is that you're just getting any asset. But would you trade a young player to get said asset when you're not quite sure if that's going to pan out? Like, okay, great. It'd be awesome if my team could end up having an actual top pick in the upcoming season, but that's really no guarantee. 
I mean, so we're kind of talking in circles around it. But in either case, I just thought it was funny that the Cavs, the Cavs want to be buyers and they're actually putting their picks out there. But I think it's, again, they have a nice piece in Mercer. He likes Selby. Kyle's extremely super bored. Um, so I think he's getting to the point where we could see Kyle potentially make something crazy happen just because he wants to be a little bit more relevant moving forward sooner than later. He's staying the course, but how long will that potentially last because we know how bored he can get. So in the Landros, that leaves us with the Grizzlies and the Lions. We'll save the Grizzlies for last. So the Lions retooled, retooled completely. They sold off all of their starters from last year. They weren't able to even re-sign Air or Vincent. Um, so he ends up with Grzecki that he got from me. Grzecki starting in a full-time role that he got for Bo. This could be a little bit disappointing for myself. I really like Grzecki. I'm interested to see what he can do in a full-time role. He got Pascal from the Warriors, who he traded Rosado to. He got Stales from the Knicks, who he traded Brick to. He got Wheeler and Kalu from the Nets. Um, he had Ike Grand already. He went out and signed Rake. Um, so actually, arguably, we want to talk about, like, that team's still better than the Bulls. That team's definitely better than the Bulls. He doesn't want to make the playoffs, but that team's better than the Bulls. I mean, let's be honest here. He's got backups like Wheeler and our, and um, he, oh, not Wheeler. Is it Wheeler? Yeah, he's got backups like Wheeler and Kalu and weird guys that are potentially still better than what the Bulls have. So I don't see the Lions being worse than the Bulls, to be honest. He probably would have to trade Pascal and maybe Stales, who just by default is going to give him offense. Like he's going to have to do some really creative depth charting for that team to be back to for that team to be worse than the Bulls. And I mean, who knows? That team could technically be better than the Bucks. So, if the if the Lions and the Bucks on paper, like the Bucks want to make the playoffs, so you'd think that they would they surely should be better than the Lions, but the Lions aren't bad. I don't really hate this team. Still think the Bucks are going to be better, but let's remember that the Bucks had Mario for most of the time. Now they don't have Mario and they may, they have Willis like the Bucks are going to kind of are they going to lack some scoring? He's I don't think he's coming out of the shoot with Shoko. So I think long-term Shoko is probably a starter for that squad because he's going to need the scoring. But I worry about them just a teeny bit. But anyways, the Lions aren't bad. The Lions have some decent youth. They did the rebuild pretty well for the fact that they lost Air and Winters to free agency. He's taken on some, some contracts, but, you know, like these guys could potentially be flippable. Like we talked about the Bulls, for example, right? You're telling me right now that if I, – I understand he has – if he gives him Johns, he would give him partial expiring. So you're telling me right now that the Bulls can't trade Johns and some smaller salaries to the Lions for Pascal and that Hornets pick? Like, do the Lions do that? In t like, the value isn't great, but guess what? Is that they get, they get rid of Pascal. And Pascal is a guy that's going to probably help the Lions score. And the Bulls need that scoring. The Bulls could use Pascal more than they can use Omni. So, like, that would make sense. So when we're talking about deals that are, or deals are things that could potentially make sense is that the Lions are going to probably try to keep moving these veterans all year. And as things move forward, I could see the Lions being worse because these guys get dealt. But as of right now, like they're better than the Bulls and they might be as good as the Bucks. Next up, Grizzlies. Certainly not last but not least. And do we need to rehash all of the drama? I mean, we might as well use them as a case in point is that in free agency, the Grizzlies had a decent amount of cap space. They signed Diogo Diaz, who I don't, I don't hate. I like that guy. 
Um, but I think he's been in the, year for the league for like five or six years. I liked him way back when because I, th- I saw the upside as far as what his offensive potential could be, a stretch big. And, of course, we know how I like my stretch bigs. So I like the fact that he signed him to a, to a nice contract. Um, he's, his Finnish player, Birat Bara Saxela. Brad Saxela, um, but his three his three best players are arguably foreigners as far as Santuro, the Finn, and Necrosoft. And then he's he who he went out he signed Tidwell as well. He's got Diogo Diaz there. That's funny. That's another that's another um, another foreigner. He's got Benjamin Ho and he's got Borg. Like he's got Borg's the guy that Borg's really nice. I like Borg a lot. Uh, he's trying to move maybe move Borg for a similar big. I like that move. Um, try to flip Borg. Uh, if your core is going to be sent, sent, uh, the pizza boy as well as the Finn in your backcourt, is that Borg's kind of on the outside looking in. So, so potentially moving him for a big makes sense. But of course, in free agency, what did he do? The one weird thing is he signed Reed to a five-year deal. Five years, $8 million is pretty crazy for that player because he's, he's decent, but I really don't think that that's a good contract. Now, again, $8 million is manageable. We've seen people do it with O'Keek. I think what we talk about is when we, we talk about a huge contract. And when we get to the Maynard, we can mention that. Uh, when, we talk, when we eventually get to Bo on the Thunder, again, I'm going to devalue my own guys. That's fine. But, um, but Reed, like, Reed, again, problem is Reed, like, where, where, do, where do you put him? Uh, and, of course, he ends up, end, ends up on the Sonics, and the Sonics are kind of running back their playoff team from last year, just minus Lambrecht. He's, put it, he's got McCoy, but he's got the same starting five that he had in the playoffs because he's still got J.J. Triple X, he's still got Shannon, and he added Reed. Um, so he's got a similar team that he, that he had last season. But, of course, the first sim, he's not going to have Reed because Reed's still on the Grizzlies. So, ultimately, what we kind of pan, pan the Grizzlies for is that he didn't use his cap space on a young player. And, okay, it was, we're talking about Trev Young, and the point is, we get it. He doesn't – I keep saying that. I keep saying the point is. We get the, we get the fact that he didn't need another point guard. He's already looking at a guy like – I think Ken Ho can play point guard. Clearly, Elio is his long-term guy. Um, there's no reason that he can't play Sam. He can't play Elio at the two. He can't. I mean, if Borg is a one-two combo, he can move all three of those guys around and put the Finn at the three. Bring Nekrasov off the bench. There's a lot of creative things the Grizzlies can do. They're really fun right now. I mean, here's another team. How is this team not going to be better than the Bulls? The Bulls are so bad. The Bulls are so bad. Like the Grizzlies don't want to win, but they're still better. He keeps again. He's drafting young talent. Are the Rockets better than the Bulls? The Bulls. Wow, this is just a hate the hate on the Bulls pot. Like, who is like are the are the Cavs better than the Bulls? The Bulls might really be the worst team in in the Landros. They are so bad. They are so bad right now. Um, so again, the argument was is he signed like why not sign a guy like Trev Young to a really small? He got basically the a min contract. And when we talk about small players like that, as far as guys who are still young, like, yeah, he's not good. Okay, great. But let's sign him to a, a five-year deal. Let's sign him to something that's a small contract. Be creative. Like, lock a guy up. And he did that with Diogo Diaz. Obviously, he liked Diaz, because guess what? He needs a big. So that makes sense. But Young, he could have just kind of been a little forward-thinking and thinking, well, you know, I don't need Young, and but maybe I sign Young um, and just hope that maybe he becomes something and I could flip him. Now, he looked at Young kind of wearing out his welcome, and that makes sense. He's had him for so long, and he's been bad. But he hasn't really started him the last couple years, and he hasn't played him alongside Elio. Isn't that a guy that you really would have liked to see at point guard alongside Elio? 
Let Elio play the two. Let the let Young play at the let Young play point. Now I thought he was a combo guard, which to me obviously makes him a little bit more valuable if he has shooting guard eligibility, where you can bring him off the bench as a six man. The fact that he's point guard only does really hurt because he doesn't have as much defense and he's a chucker. So if you stick him at point guard and he's playing against guys that clearly have better defense, more so than shooting guards, yeah, that's a problem. But it was just the argument of signing a young guy to a longer deal and just hoping he becomes a better asset. But instead, he signs Reed, and people killed him for it. Um, people still wanted to kill him for it, I think even yesterday, because he was able to flip stuff around. Again, he ended up with Lubega, which I thought was an equally bad contract. Again, the player was younger, but equally bad. And then he ends up flipping Lubega, I guess, for an expiring to the Nets. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, he fixed his mistake. If he ends up with expiring contracts next season, um, now I think also he's looking at the fact that he wants to move Borg because Borg's about to get paid. But you know what? You can pay that guy. Your team isn't good yet. You're not ready. Like, pay that guy. Let him get progressions. Like, don't, don't move him when you don't need to. I like that guy. I think that guy could be easily starting for that team. But in either case, the Grizzlies are in a good spot. Like, they're, they're fine. They have good young talent. Um... They haven't done anything bad or stupid lately. I, there, were, there were some rumblings yesterday of Mitch Bradley being offered for the Finn. And it's funny because when we get to the Maynard, we'll talk about Mr. Mitch Bradley. But I can understand him saying no to that. Bradley's 26. He's like all rebounds at this point. He's good, but he's so much rebounding and not a lot of everything else that makes him that much better. So I could see him staying course and wanting the Finn because the Finn's not getting paid yet. And the Finn's got really nice base ratings. And I know that, uh, I believe Ricky liked the Finn more than Mercer, but I think I'm still, you're still very happy with what, uh, with what you have if you're Kyle. And I think he prefers Mercer, but you could argue that the Finn could be one of the better, best players coming out of that draft. I, I could see that as far as his potential. He's got some high steals, decent one through nines. He's still somewhat, you know, of course he's not, he's not super young, but, but it's solid. But in either case, I like what the Grizz are doing. Uh, you know, they're staying the course and, you know, they're going to just by default by, again, like we said before, in, the, in the transitional phase of the, of the podcast, that the Grizz are going to win more games. The Rockets are going to win more games. They're, they're, those teams are better. The Cavs now clearly have, have a couple more players in Mercer and Selby that immediately make that team better. So the bottom half, of the, the bottom part of the Landers that's going to miss the playoffs isn't as bad as it was the last couple of years. The Lions are still frisky. So a lot of these teams that are going to miss playoffs aren't terrible. And then you have a team like the Bulls who doesn't have their picks, and they're, wor- they're worse. They're worse. They're the worst team in the Landros. Come on, KJ. Get with it. So anyways, there's a 45-minute podcast with the, uh, on the Landros there. A little quick preview if anyone has any time to listen to it before the sim today at 9. Got to get something out there, and then maybe we can get with Ricky at some point afterwards and talk about what he was thinking about these teams going into it. Um, he, regardless of hindsight being 2020, he really nailed it last year. I appreciated all his input as far as the teams. He called the Hornets, and that ended up happening. Uh, he really nailed some of the team's setups and how the teams could potentially be. And I know it looks like he doesn't like the Pacers this season. And, I mean, the Pacers weren't dominant last year. So I, I could see that as well. He's, if Cole has a big role on that team, it's going to be a little bit questionable. So I feel like we got eight playoff locks in the Landros because the Bulls, <laughs> the Bulls are really bad and the Lions probably don't want to be there. But the Lions are going to be decent. Grizz are going to be better. Rockets are going to be better. Bulls are going to be worse. And it's probably the Hornets to lose, but we like the Celtics. We like the Pacers. We like the Sixers. The Nuggets are kind of on the outside of that group. I think they have some work to do to become better. Um, maybe there's a move there. I'm not sure, but you know they're they're still you know playoff lock, solid young team, and they could probably just 
be frisky and stay the course again and potentially see what progressions progressions happen. But anyways, talking in circles, 45 minutes, in and out. Landros, back with the Maynard here in a little bit. Peace.